Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into this holiday weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. We do hope that you'll take a moment out of your weekend to remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Uh, Jeff, uh, your thoughts on Memorial Day weekend and everything before we get started. It's always a big deal in our house. Uh, both my grandparents serve, one in the Army and one in the Navy, so we always like to take a moment to to just remember them and talk about them. And every year we still get those little poppies, you know, that the veterans are always selling. We always get My wife's those. grandfather, um, he was a bombardier in World War II, and, and they used to sell them. And so we, we hope that everybody will, will take a minute out while they're enjoying their their festivities and their barbecues and, and their time with family, hopefully, to, to remember what it's or all about. minor there. league stadiums like us or at soccer games. Yeah. We're, all we're, the different stuff we're covering this weekend. Yeah, we're going to be going around. Uh, we'll be throughout the Delaware Valley. Tomorrow night we'll be down at the Union game. Sunday, Jeff, you'll be out at Lakewood. So we got plenty going on. Uh, we did mention we'll be at the Union game tomorrow night, so we figured we'd talk a little soccer to start the show. You okay with that, Jeff? Sure. So I so our, our five minutes of extra time that we do at the end of the show, we're, we're just going to do a little longer, but we'll do it at the beginning. Oh, of the we'll show. definitely do it yeah. at the beginning of the show. We brought on somebody who, who knows a little bit about it. JP Delacam, are you there with us? Yes. How are you guys? We are wonderful. I always enjoy getting on the voices that I've listened to watching sports. Uh, we had on a few weeks ago, we had uh, Carly Lloyd and Samantha Mewis, and I was talking to them about the 99 Women's World Cup. And then I'm getting ready for the interview, and I realize that you're the one that made the call on Brianna Scurry's save. So I have memories of you making calls throughout my time growing up as a sports fan. What is that like for you to actually hear that from people? <laughs> um, I, I always find it interesting, uh, especially, especially now in this day and age. I mean, anything that you do now is is forever saved, you know, thanks to the Internet and, and YouTube and, and various means. So, um Everything is saved forever, right? So that call on on Scurry's save or Chastain's goal or you know Carly Lloyd's hat trick uh, in Canada in 2015, you know, it lives forever. So I have a two-year-old grandson that has no idea what I do, but at some point, you know, when he's old enough to to listen, he'll realize that that's me and that's what I did. So I don't think you can put a price on that. So we, we'll be down there tomorrow night at the Union, and, and you've been somebody who's been a part of this. You, you started with the franchise in 2010, calling the games, and we always enjoy checking out how you and Tommy Smith call it there. Can you talk a little bit about that organization and the growth that you've seen to get to this season and the success that they're having? The growth of the Union, you're yes. saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, first of all, that... Without question, in, in my mind, this is my 10th year, and this is the best team that they have ever had. Whether you're saying it's you know the starting 11 or the 18 that show up on a game day roster or you know the 20-odd players, depending on what day this is, that are actually on, on an active roster. I know McKenzie and Real are away with the under-20 World Cup, but I, I think it's a deep roster and very talented. They've all bought into the system. Uh, it's nice to see the results go their way. Uh, I don't think it's a fluke. You know, some people may, but I, I think that the start that they've had is real. People are talking about them throughout the league. And, uh, you know, forget my opinion, forget your opinion. You know, I'm, I'm listening to other people uh, on various websites, and they're saying that Philly's a top five team. I've heard some people say right now they're the second best team in all of Major League Soccer. So it's been good. Let's hope it can continue. 
We talked to uh, Coach Curtin after a game a couple weeks ago and asked him if he thought this was the deepest team he had ever coached, and, and he agreed that it was. Is, is that the secret to the Union's success, is to have the depth that they have on this team, including the number of goalies that they've now run through in the first half of the season? Yeah, I mean, there's some great stats out there, right? I mean, they gave up what they give up. They gave up five goals in their first two games, right? Then they only allowed seven in the next eleven. They had five shutouts in those games using all three goalkeepers. Who would have thought that they would have had to do that? Use all three. They've allowed one goal or less in ten of eleven games. So if you're allowing one goal or less, you know, on, on most nights, even if you don't have that that outstanding uh, you know, number nine striker, you know, you don't have a Joseph Martinez on your team or, or a Carlos Vela, but you have other players that can chip in and get goals, you know, you're going to be winning some games. And that's what's happened here. They're unbeaten in six, you know, four wins and a, and a couple of draws. But I think, you know, when I talk to players, they talk about the competition for jobs, how intense some of the practices are because of that competition. You know, players that are on the bench, certainly don't want to be bench players, right? They, they want to start, and guys that are starting want to keep their starting position. And I think that, you know, with a long season and Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup uh, coming up soon, uh, Gold Cup players will be missed. You need to be able to rotate a squad. And so if you don't have that depth, it, it's going to get to at some point in the season. I, I think um, depth could be tested for this team, depending on how many players um, leave, let's say you know, for Gold Cup or if there are any injuries down the line. But I do think right now at this point, the way that they are built, that their philosophy of next man up will continue to work. As they get closer to the end of the season, they haven't had the whole group of players together. Marco Fabian has not played as many games as one would hope. Is there a chance that this team hasn't even achieved its potential yet because of the amount of time people have had off, both for injuries um, and being away and, and all the different things and suspensions that people have had? Yeah, that's actually a great question. I think myself, uh, I've seen Marco Fabian play um, more so with Mexico probably than, than with any other, any other team. And I've seen him play in tournaments, whether it's World Cup uh, or Olympics. To me, talent-wise, I think he's the best player that this franchise has ever had. Uh, the unfortunate part is that Philly fans haven't been able to see him because he missed the two games uh, with the red card. He's missed a few other games due to injury. You know, the the ankle now is the latest problem. It hasn't been 100%. And if it's not 100%, you know, why do you risk it when you have all of the depth that we have on this team? But I think that uh, a healthy Marco Fabian is without a doubt a starter and without a doubt makes this team better. So I, I think that we can look forward as a, as a team to getting him back. Um, getting McKenzie back uh, after the under-20s and Real will be helpful too. Real hasn't played for this team this year, and, and neither really has McKenzie because of the injuries that he had. You know, he had the concussion. Uh, he had another problem. I believe it was an ankle injury before. I mean, he was expected to be the starter this year next to Trusty, and because Mark is injured and Jack Elliott is not far off, right? Those two guys were like 1A and, and 1B last year. Um, Elliot again has taken over as a starter and has been rewarded with a new contract. So McKenzie has to wait his turn, but I think after this under 20 World Cup, he's certainly going to be ready to challenge for a spot again on this team. And what about Corey Burke? Is there a chance that we're going to get him back this season? I know right now he's had the visa issues and hasn't been able to get yeah. back in the country. 
Yeah, I don't have any inside information on that, but based on what Ernst Tanner said that day at the news conference, I'm I'm personally not expecting him back. So I think if he came back this year, you know, it's a bonus for this team. Uh, but right now, this is how deep they are, right, at the at the forward position that they've had Fafa Pico at times coming off the bench. Uh, they were able to trade recently David Akam, so they felt that they had that covered um, with that trade. Earlier they had traded C.J. Sapong. You know, you think about some of the moves that they've made, uh, you know. Wouldn't you guys give Ernst Tanner a terrific grade, sporting director? Uh, I, you know, I think he's a... he's done fantastic. And, and part yeah. of the thing that – you know, he's done that he's picked up on that, that this team's done when you look at depth is their youth and their homegrown talent. And right. And you've seen right. that this year with Brendan Aronson coming up, up this year. Yeah. And Matt Freeze. And, and Matt Freeze. And, and we, we got to talk to Brendan earlier in the season. Uh, and, you know, obviously he didn't make the under 20. But can you talk about the impact that, that he's had on the team? But at the same time, the union have one of the deepest homegrown systems that there is. Can you talk about the impact of that on this team going forward? Well, I think as far as homegrowns go and young talent, this team is right up there with with an FC Dallas and maybe there are a couple of others in MLS. But I think one of the big differences between uh, Philly and Dallas and maybe some other teams is that this organization is not afraid to play kids. Look at last year. You had uh, how old were these guys? Uh, Trusty and McKenzie at one point were both teenagers, as I recall, and then uh, one of them had a birthday, trusty, and then was no longer a teenager, right? But those are two centers. That's a critical position in Major League Soccer. And I don't think there was another team in the league that had two teenage center backs. I mean, there's a reason for that. You know, it's it could be scary back there, right? But I, I think with Aronson, Aronson was like trusty to me in the, in this regard. Last year, I didn't know how much trusty would play. I didn't know if he'd play at all. I certainly didn't think he was going to be a starter and play every minute of every game. I had no idea that was going to happen. And the same with Aronson. I knew he had talent, heard he had ability, but I was thinking, you know, where is he going to play on this team? And still he was only, uh, what, 18 years of age, right? So I didn't think he was going to get a chance to play. The kid comes in and plays, and he looks like he's in his mid-20s for sure, right? I mean, I wouldn't think he's a teenager. He's done well. He's not afraid out there. He wants the ball. All of his teammates um, privately talk very highly about him. When you ask about Aronson, you ask Bedoya, you ask Madunian, you ask uh, Fabian, some of the veterans, uh, they really like this kid and his, and his potential. I, I don't think Ernst can get the credit for for Aronson or, or Trusty because those guys were, were here and developing you know, before Ernst even came to this country. But, but think about the stuff that Ernst has done that he's starting to get some credit for now throughout the league. He brings in Shabilko at the end of the last year. Nobody ever heard of Shabilko, and he was an injured player. And last year, he didn't even make the 18 at the end of the year. I was told that maybe he's a player for next year, certainly not 2018. So you had Shabilko carry over from last year. He brings in Kai Wagner, who no one had really heard of with all due respect. You know, young kid, second, third division player from Germany. He brings him in, right? Uh, did you guys ever hear of Sergio Santos or Jamiro Montero, as good as Montero is? Uh, Cornell, the goalkeeper, has won four games. Nobody knew who he was. The only guy he brought in that everybody knew was Marco Fabian. And still, it was a great deal to get him in. But I, I look at guys you know, in this league and, and who they sign, right? I mean, it's easy 
I think negotiations may be tough, right? But it's easy to identify uh, Carlos Vela, Joseph Martinez. Easy to to see the ability that those guys have. The hardest thing is, is putting the numbers together to, to sign them, right? But to be able to bring in players from a, a second or third division in in Germany, as good as Germany is, second or third division players don't always make it, even in Major League Soccer. So I, I give Ernst credit for um, for the eye that he has and the vision that he has for this club. Uh, the vision also to to formulate this team now into a new formation, which I think helps them. I, I don't think four five one. I never thought four five one was was a good formation for this team. I didn't think they had the players for it. I think they're ideal in this. Four four two, and especially in the diamond. So full credit, I think, to Ernst. He picked up for some of the things that Ernie Stewart had brought here. Ernie, I think, helped to bring in a different culture, a different mentality to this team. And Ernst, you know, picked it up and even improved on it. Well, how about also with the job that Coach Curtin's done this year? I mean, there have been several times where he has made substitutions in the second half that have led within minutes to a goal. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because I've been always one of his best uh, backers. I, I, I think Jim has done a terrific job with the talent that he's been given over the years. Uh, it was similar, I thought, to Ben Olsen in D.C. You know, when Ben had players, Ben was winning. You know, when Ben didn't have players or the horses, you know, he was losing. But they, they stuck with him. They had faith in him. And I think that's what this organization has done with Jim. When you look at what this team has done, and, and I agree with you, there are many games where he has made a substitution like an Il Senio, for example, he comes in or Fafa off the bench or, you know, you you can name your player and something has happened, right? Something good has happened for this team. But how about the numbers when you think about it this way? They've been outscored 7-6 to six in the first half of games, right? So not that many goals either way. It's a minus one. But in the second half, they've outscored their opponents 17 to 5. So that shows to me that, um, first of all, that he does make some changes in the second half because those are some different players. Uh, but it also shows the fitness of this team, uh, the hunger of this team, you know, the mentality of this team to be that dominant, you know, um, especially when you compare it to the first half. Uh, they're like a plus 12 in the second half of games. So I think that that's all good for them. And I think that the, you know, this winning mentality is, has has helped them to a point where there are some games like that Seattle game, uh, where in the past because they weren't as good as Seattle, they would have said, you know, even a draw at home is okay. It, it's Seattle, but now they look at it as points lost because they feel like they can win every game, especially at home. They dictated that pace of play in that game against Seattle too is I yeah you don't normally see that where a team comes in and Seattle kind of went into a bunker trying to protect the point for themselves it seemed like at times yep. where the union were yep. really attacking and taking the pace of play there yeah I think you saw the numbers was it 68 something like that uh, high percentage uh, ball possession but as I recall it was something like 20 shots I don't remember how many of them were were on target but you know it was all them and I think if one goal was scored in that game there was going to be two or three more coming. Uh, Seattle was – the only time Seattle played to win that game, actually, was towards the end when they brought in some offensive-minded subs off their bench because they knew that, hey, at 0-0, they still have a shot at getting three points instead of the one point. But, yeah, Philly did dominate that game, and, and the only thing that was disappointing was that they couldn't get one for 
what was, you know, their best and, and could have been their loudest crowd of the season, but they didn't get that goal to cheer for. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question that's a little it's a curtain question, but it's okay. it, it's from the behind the scenes. You, you standpoint. love your Jim Curtin. Don't no, you? well, no, because 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 Jim comes across as the most even keeled person I've seen in sports in a long time. Nothing, mm-hmm. no no highs, no lows. You travel with the team. Is there a different Jim Curtin that's not at those press conferences in the games? Because I suspect well, there is. I suspect yeah. there's got to be a fun Jim Curtin. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, no, there is for sure. Um, I don't get to travel with them because we do the road games, uh, you know, off the monitor. But I have been in situations where uh, either a national team game, I've, I've done a union game, or a Lamar Hunt Open Cup, I went there. I think there's, uh, there's two other sides, Jim, that you probably don't see. Uh, you know, one is that sense of humor. Uh, he's got that for sure. Um I think a great personality. When you talk to other broadcasters around the league, they love him because they talk to him before games. You know, he lays things out for them. He explains what they're trying to what they're trying to do. And even, you know, good times and bad times, he was always available. So I think that's one side of him that you um, maybe don't get to see there at the at the press briefings, if you will. And I think there's probably another side where. I'm sure he gets angry. I remember him as a player. He was a tough player to play against. Nobody wanted to play against him. He was a fiery, emotional player. And, and I would think the players would know this far better than I would, but I would, I would think that uh, there are times where he lets it go, I would think, and you know, is very, very forceful. At least that's what I would think. You can verify that with some guys, I'm sure, but I'm sure there were some games where you know, he said something. And made it work. You, you mentioned calling the games off the monitor, and I know you called the Olympics that were in China off the monitor too. How different yeah. is that to call it from a studio atmosphere with a monitor as opposed to being at the game? Is that is that a big challenge for you as a broadcaster who really seems to feed mm. off the emotion at times? No, no, it's never. It's first of all, um, it's not a challenge to me because I've probably done. I'm going to tell you, I've probably done like over 5,000 games in my career off of a monitor uh, because in the early days of ESPN International, we were doing over 200 games a year, uh, 10 to 15 years. So you, those numbers do add up. Um, Could what you ever imagine made, that you would have done something like that over no, 30 years ago? No, called that I, many games? No, and... no. I mean, I wish I could have. I mean, there are some guys that would say to you, this was my 500th game. I mean, I wish I could tell you how many I've done, but it's definitely north of 5,000. <laughs> but I have no way to to track it. You know, even if I go back to old calendars that I have, you know, there were probably some games that I was supposed to do and I couldn't do them, or maybe one game that I got called in late and didn't put it in. So it wouldn't be an accurate number, but it's definitely north of, north of 5,000. But um, the good thing is, and this is for sure, it's never a problem with the emotion because you hear the crowd, you hear the gnat sound in your ear. So you're not, you're not talking into a headset where you don't hear the crowd. You definitely hear, hear a crowd. Uh, the hardest thing and most challenging thing is that sometimes the way games are produced, you know, you don't get to see as much as you would like on the field. You can only, the difference in calling the game off the monitor or in person is, is really that when you call a game off the monitor, it's the only time in your professional career that you can see only what the viewer can see, nothing else, right? 
if I go to a it's union game yeah. and I'm, I'm doing it on TV from Talon, like tomorrow, if you're watching it on TV, I can see a, a lot more than you can see because I'm at the stadium. But off the monitor, we all see the same thing. So what I tell young play-by-play, aspiring play-by-play people or uh, even analysts is, uh, you know, don't, don't speculate. You know, don't worry about um, where the camera's going to go next. We have no idea where it's going to go next. You know, call, just call what you see. So keep it as simple as you can. So I think when you learn those tricks of calling the games off the monitor, it makes it, um, I guess, less of a challenge. You talk about calling what you see. You've seen some of the biggest world sporting events there are. You've called the Olympics. You've called the World Cup. Uh, you've traveled. Uh, what other piece of advice or lessons do you have for people from everything you've seen? Uh, we talked about this last night. We had a Fox meeting for the upcoming Women's World Cup, and um, the leader at Fox is David Neal, who's won um, uh, Emmys for his work at NBC with the Olympics. And he had just said to us last night, you know, with, with the way the world is changing, the way television is changing, you, you just never know. He said, enjoy this, you know, savor this moment. This is a uh, women's world cup. And same thing in Russia last year. I mean, you don't know when you'll get another one. If you're, whether you're a player, whether you're an announcer, whether you're an executive, um, savor it, you know, enjoy it. And that's my, my advice. If, if you come away from a, a tournament, a World Cup, or Olympics, uh, as a let's say as a broadcaster, and you say to me your experience wasn't good, then I'm going to say you must have done something wrong because there's not much, uh, there's not much that can make me miserable at a World Cup or Olympics. You know what I mean? And you deal with sometimes language Maybe. barriers. You're at the culture. World Cup and the Olympics. How can you be miserable? Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, like how silly would it be to complain about? some of the travel that we faced last year in Russia. I mean, for God's sake, we're doing the World Cup, right? So, I mean, look, Jeff finds would, a way to complain about the most mundane things that we do together. So, I mean, you could find a way. <laughs> well, to that's because yeah. I'm old, right? You, you, could, yeah. uh-huh. you could find a way to complain if you wanted to. But Yeah, because as yeah. the two but of you, you were just having right? that discussion, I'm sitting there going, well, you know, Cutter in the middle of the day might yeah, be you're something about I could complain about, you're, right? Yeah, yeah, Jeff's yeah. A, <laughs> we're still trying to figure out if it's if it's Cutter or Qatar, if uh, you can believe it. Well, we... We hope that I still can't believe it's going to be there. Me uh, either. Were I, you surprised at all that they didn't expand the field for that to 48? They announced this week they're going to keep it at 32 for the World Cup. Um, let's say this. If you look at the money that was involved, uh, that's why they're doing it, right? It was $300 million more, right? But I, I was not surprised that they didn't get it to 48 only because of where it is. Uh, there's, there's, they needed another country, and they don't really have allies. So I thought this is going to be tough for them to pull this one off. Uh, I said years ago, and I'm and I'm I'm wrong. I have to eat my words. But I had said you'll never see the World Cup in Qatar or Qatar because I thought that you know the investigation with the bribery, the corruption, uh, that it would be easy to pull it out of there. You know, but then the deeper it went, you know, now you're into it so deep and so late. There'd be all kinds of problems and lawsuits, but it shouldn't be there. I mean, it just shouldn't be there. And, and we shouldn't be changing the World Cup for any country, let alone a country that's probably the size of the state of Connecticut, right? We shouldn't do that. Is and, that difficult? And yet we are. Is that difficult for you at all as a broadcaster to 
to have those feelings, but at the same time, you're professional and you, you have to do your job too. Is that is that conflict hard for you at times? No, because I think that at the end of the day, I'm calling games, right? I mean, I'm just giving you my opinion on 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 Qatar or Qatar. Um, it's a shame that another country didn't get it. And, and nothing against um, Qatar or Qatar. It's just too hot. You know, in the you summer, still have a right? couple of years to get it down. <laughs> yeah, and they won the bid. We all know how they won the bid. Right. So, you know, you're rewarding corruption. So I, I think that that's wrong on all levels, right? But, you know, if if that's where they're going to hold the World Cup and if Fox assigns me to do it, I'll have no problems, no issues at all, you know, going over there. Um, I would never, you know, I'm calling the game. So my opinion doesn't matter whether whether it's corruption or, or something else, right? You know, you're there just to call the game. I'm not a news guy. I'm not a political guy. Um, but if somebody asks me my opinion, you know, that is my opinion. They should never have gotten the World Cup, and we shouldn't have to change everybody's calendar, right? Because now you're going to play it in November, December. So you're going to have to change the calendar, not just that year, but one year before it and probably one year after it to – to get back to the way it's supposed to be, the way it's been going on for years. All right. Well, JP, before we let you go, where are we going to hear you tomorrow? Now, we won't hear you. Hopefully we'll see you because we're going to be down at the game, and we encourage everybody to go to the game because it's just a great atmosphere to go to, and it's it a great venue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if you can't make it down there, How can where people are we going to hear broadcast? you? Should be PHL 17. I mean, sometimes I don't even know what time the game is, right? I don't focus <laughs> on the game. Somebody will say, when is it? I say, I say, it's either 7 or 7.30, right? I'm just more focused on Philly and Portland than I am, you know, what time the game is. But uh, the atmosphere there is great. Uh, last week, like we said, sellout was there. Uh, fantastic. I think that um, the better that this team does, they'll get a lot of the fans back that I think have, have stayed away, you know, to this point, And they'll get some new ones as well. And there's always room, you know, there's always room for people to, to come in, right? Whether you want to say bandwagon or not, that's fine. Look at the Sixers. Yeah, jump you know, on. When they, when they rebuilt or tanked or whatever the word is that you want to use, you know, there were a lot of empty seats there. And now, hot ticket, right? Because they're, they're good. One you know, of the tickets vibrant, is Fafa Picot down there watching the game. So he, he was down yeah. there for the playoffs getting in yeah, on it. Yeah, you're, you're being too generous, though. The, the phrase is join or die. That, yeah, so, they're, so, they're serious. Uh, you know, <laughs> come on, guys. You've got to get down there. They're serious about their <laughs> yeah. soccer. You'll, you won't regret it, that's for sure. JP, no, you won't regret coming th- to a game. Thank you so much for giving us the time and joining us. We hope sure. to catch you down there tomorrow night and look Anytime. forward to you and Tommy calling the game and I hope to get come you back on in the future. Say hello. We will come stop on. by and visit tomorrow. You uh, you have okay. a great day and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Alright, have a good weekend. Have guys. a good one. See you. Bye-bye. Jeff, always uh, a good time and you know, I like I said, I remember we talked about it when we had Carly Lloyd on. You remember when US. you were a youngster? I remember exactly where I was in the 99 Women's World Cup when Brandy right. Chastain took off her shirt after scoring the goal, I mm-hmm. remember his call on the Brianna Scurry save. Right, um, that's my first real memory of, of women's Cup. soccer. Mm-hmm. I had watched World Cup growing up with my grandfather. Um, my grandfather actually played soccer in Germany when he was a young boy, mm-hmm. semi-pro, and used to record every World Cup game. And he had them all time marked on his VHS tapes, of, because he would go back and watch the games. 
He had every World Cup and yeah. every game. So when he had, when you say time marked, what do you mean? So at two minutes at two hours and 27 minutes yeah the game of germany against the netherlands started oh, on okay. that tape right. so he could go back to that matchup and see when he watched it so like soccer was my thing with my grandfather mm-hmm. but we watched men's soccer all the time together women's soccer my first real memory well, of women's soccer probably wasn't on as much back then women's soccer my first real memory was mm-hmm. that 99 world cup where jp was calling the game so mm-hmm. to, to talk to him and ask him questions is always really interesting when that voice that you've heard on your TV or in your head or in the car or wherever is now the voice that you're asking questions to. Well, well being the voice of any team, you, you get to experience so much. And you, as you said, you're part of, even if you don't try, JP, JP, when I listen to him, doesn't seem to try to interject himself. He goes with the flow of it. But his voice is the narration of, if you're a big sports fan, the narration of your of your life. You know, so... We can all remember Harry Callis making calls. You can remember those kinds of like things. Like when we had new Lou Nolan in here, and I was joking with him about how I hear him calling the Pico power play in right. my sleep. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just those kind of things when you hear that voice, and it takes you right back to where you were at that moment. Yeah. So, like, I get that I watch him watch, like calling the Union games on TV, and yeah. I hear that voice now. But for me, it's those World Cup games that he called. Yeah, but I'm a little concerned about that you're hearing Pico Parico play in your sleep. You Look, might you might need to take... I'm a uh, walking <laughs> advertisement for people based on the way that sports have been branded now. I could tell... Uh, all right, so... All right, let's... All right, let's, let, let's, hold on. Just, let's I'll yeah. be honest, though, with you. So my wife will tell you that well, I... I don't know if I want, honestly, I am oblivious yeah. to life sometimes. We yeah. will drive past... No. Some, we, I know. This is yeah, shocking to I you know. as my co-host. Wow. We will drive past a building that has been knocked down for like two years. You'll just have noticed. I will drive past it every day, and I will never pay attention. Well, and I'll turn to her, and I'll go, when did they do that? And she'll go two years ago. Yeah, but, the, but when, when you're driving, you don't notice these but things. But if they put a new logo for an advertisement on the ice during a hockey game. That you know, Or if they have a call during a game, I notice mm-hmm. all that. I pick up on those mundane details that don't matter, and I miss life going on by me so mm-hmm. i know that surprises you that i'm oblivious to things i would never know but oblivious when, to you. when it comes to commercials i would suspect that you would notice i those. would never be oblivious i always pay attention to you jeff you believe that right Let's we'll go, go to, to break <laughs> stick with us when we get back we've got all the sports to run through sports lets people live their dreams overcome obstacles and achieve goals but what's your unimaginable do you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself to push your limits the A Fatty clothing brand believes we're all capable of going far beyond we previously imagined to overcome your obstacles and achieve your goals. Life gives you the chance to push harder, to dream bigger, and to do whatever it takes to conquer the unimaginable. And to do it with A Fatty on you, the original street leisure clothing brand. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN with former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville. Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and <laughs> Jeff Cullen. Uh, I am here in studio uh, laughing at Jeff Cullen's misery. Yeah. Trying not to. Thanks. I but, appreciate uh, it. I'm here for you. I support uh-huh. you. Yeah. Brad, I need you to do me you a favor laugh. for future shows. If you can try and find audio of like a roulette wheel so we can like spin our sports roulette and just kind of go around. Jeff's been asking me for a while and I just obviously have been oblivious and not yeah. paying attention to him. 
But um, social media guy can't find Jeff. It. Are you okay um, to talk other things now, or are you still dealing with your your crises? What other than my my your, your issues ticket, with StubHub, your ticket difficulties? Yeah, I know. Are you trying to make it that they don't ever advertise on our show? No, it has nothing to do with that. It's just they have idiotic rules and their fees are ridiculous. So but are other you, than that, are you fine. are you eating a pair of tickets for tonight's concert? I'm, or not? I'm, I'm eating three tickets, and they're penalizing me for it because. They have all these ridiculous rules that don't make sense. But l- let's let's move on to sports. All right. So you're going to leave that there. You're going to be okay yeah. to focus now uh-huh. on what's going on. Yeah. Jeff, which sport are we talking first? Phillies. Phillies. That's where yeah. you want to go? Sure. Okay. Um, where are you? We've seen a lot of moves with this team up and down. Not the moves that necessarily people want them to make. Head scratchers. At the same time. This team is a game and a half up, and at 29 and 21, Mm -hmm. they're in first place in the National League East. They just split a series with the Chicago Cubs in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, But people seem to have concerns. Well, here's my concern. I've seen the Braves this year, okay? And I've also amazingly seen the Braves' AAA team. And some of those AAA pitchers are now coming up, and they're really, really good. And so... Win now is important for the Phillies because unless the Phillies have arms, Phillies have some arms in the minors. The Braves have arms. I mean, they have some really, really good pitching coming up, and they're coming up now. And Soroka is one of those guys who's been up and has just been lights out since they they called him up. It really worries me about the Braves. I'm not worried about anybody else in the division. The Marlins will never be good as long as Derek Jeter's running that team. The Nationals, the and Mets Marlins are going to stink as long as Brody Van Wagen and keeps bringing in his own former clients. Did you see that? What? So Cespedes hurt himself. Yeah. And if the Mets go after the money to get his contract back for him not playing, right? His agent will have to return money. His agent is Brody Van Wagenen. Right. Isn't Cano, wasn't Cano also his agent? <laughs> How is that not a, so they're not going to go back after the money because they'll have to uh, take money out of the general Look, pocket? you know the Wilpons have had a little problem with money, yeah. right? So, so they're not going to not go after the money because Brody right, gets We won't kill the Mets that. too much, but let's talk. Why not? Let's talk the positives. Gene Segura had two hits yesterday for his 18th multi-hit game of the season. Can I say the same thing I say every week? No, because you're broken record. We know it's the best move that they made. You love it. He's awesome. How could it not? I mean, think about it. It, it, the guy's hitting over 320, okay? He, when, he is 325. In the li- when he is in the lineup, he tees everything up for the rest of him and him and McCutcheon, which was another great move. T- they set the table. They really do that phrase. And, and, and we could have been with a shortstop named J.P. Crawford. I'm just going to leave the silence th- there. That, that, no. that is just... That that was a great trade by Clinton. No, nothing needs to be yeah. said there. Another trade that uh, has paid dividends for the team this year, JT Real Muto. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a home run that literally left Wrigley Field yesterday, Jeff. 456 He's feet. He's a strong young man. He is batting now 273 with seven they home have, runs. The, think about the, the home run hitters that they have. Now, JT Real Muto is not going to hit more than 25, 30 home runs, especially as a catcher when you when you get a lot of days off. But he's he's a guy that doesn't just get it over the wall. Bryce Harper has hit in the last couple of weeks some memorable home runs. His that batting average is back up to two thirty five. Mm-hmm. He's been hitting. Reese a little Hoskins, bit better. Uh, the last, the latest Vegas odds I thought saw had Reese Hoskins as like one of the top six 
in odds of having the most home runs in the major leagues. He's still the year. team leader with 11 home runs, team leader with 38 RBIs. Yeah, you, you have and, and Franco can jack it out every once in a while, long home runs. So these guys have, and McCutcheon, and Segura has shown some power, which I'm surprised at. So uh, can this we talk, team's got a lot of home run Can we talk outfield a little bit? Okay. Nick Williams now in AAA. Yeah. He didn't see it coming, apparently. Well, that just tells you, you know, in life you need to be self-aware. Yeah. And and for Nick... We it, saw that coming. Why didn't he see that coming? He saw it coming. He did, just didn't want to accept it. And, and you know, part of it is he's not getting the opportunity. So you want to get regular at-bats. I mean, for he's got to realize that he is likely does not have a long-term future as a starting outfielder in this organization. And when you realize that... A lot of people are going to realize that in this organization, yeah, that they don't have a long-term future no, but, with but, this big league team. But look, we talked to a lot... We talked to Derek Hall a couple weeks ago. And what did Derek Hall say? I, I was concerned... You know, my concern with a guy like that who is on the cusp of getting to AAA and not, not so far off from a decision of whether he can make a major league roster, um, he, you know, it, he didn't sit there and say, Reese Hoskins is in my way. He said, you, you go day by day, you make yourself better, and, and then you get an opportunity, if not here, then somewhere else. And Nick Williams, look, he's had issues before. Remember, he had a hustling issue a couple of years ago at AAA. It doesn't look good that he decided to take three days off instead of going right down to AAA and getting to work. Um, and it worries me that he does ha- seem to have this attitude issue. but That was always it, your concern with them sending him down is that he gets... Yeah, I said that before the season. When, when, when we had the Roman Quinn, Aaron Altair, who's now a Met, by the way. Uh, he, made, he was on the Giants for a week. Um, and you had this group of outfielders and somebody was going to be the odd man out. And Nick Williams was the only one who had options left. So we thought he would stay up here, not just for that reason, but also whether he was going to sulk when he got down there. And if I'm Nick, I realize at this point I'm not going to be a Philly long term, but I need to prove myself so that somebody else wants me. Who is the center fielder for the Philadelphia Phillies? Well, Jeff? according to Gabe Kapler, it's nobody right now, right? He said we don't, we don't have That's an not everyday a good thing, right? Well, so if I'm Odubel, who was it, 0 for 21 before yesterday's game, it, it is you know, monthly wake-up call. Odubel needs lots of wake-up calls. And I think Kingery might be the guy. Now, in the last... And he's going to play tonight as as the center fielder. And a reminder for people who say that he's playing out of position. Yes, he has played on the infield in the Phillies organization. But but he was a center fielder at the University of Arizona. And in high school. And in high school. Yeah, and a very good one. it's not like he has never played the position before. I'm not sure why he was moved... I know we asked him about it, and I don't remember why he was moved at the time. We asked Pedro Gomez, Gomez about that when we yeah, talked to him he spring training. Him, he, he knew him from, from his high days school in high school in Arizona. Um, so, if, you know, if I'm a Dubal Herrera, I'm looking over my shoulder. Kingery's gotten the start in, what, like five or seven games? Well, he doesn't need to look over his shoulder anymore. He's gonna, his perspective now is from the dugout. Kingery is starting um, in center field tonight, yes, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, the, let's go to the bullpen real fast. Okay, so... Despite all their struggles, mm. they still have the eighth lowest ERA. Yeah, that was me groaning. That was not technology. In baseball. Yeah. But they had a game the other day where their top four relievers were not available to pitch. Mm-hmm. How does that happen, Jeff? Mismanagement of the bullpen. 
Is he just if, over managing this bullpen? Because he's not over managing yes. the lineup now that he has players. He well, but see that with. that appears to be the problem. So he's now got a lineup that's basically set. Okay, except for maybe one or two positions. So he just you can just write him in every day, left hander, right hander. It doesn't matter that he you have that good a hitting lineup in there. There's going to go through tough times and good times, but in general they're going to be just fine. So now the only thing he's got to tinker with is the bullpen, and he's over tinkering. And I, you know, I wasn't sure how I felt. I was leaning towards the three batter minimum would be a good thing because be a good thing for Gabe's bullpen. It would be a good thing for him. He needs some governor to stop him from taking people out too early. I keep saying with Adam Morgan, Adam Morgan was a starter in this league. At some point, you have to let Adam Morgan go more than one batter. And it can't just be lefty on lefty. And yes, there may be a better option, and I'm using the little air quotes. It doesn't mean he's not a good option. And sometimes you have to leave the good option and instead of the best option to preserve your bullpen. Okay, so I'm going to ask you about that. Aaron Nola the other day, pitching, gets Mm -hmm. taken out uh, after the bullpen had been taxed. Right. So far, your thoughts on leaving him in versus what Gabe is doing there? Uh, it's my point again. It, you can't take these guys out too early. And this is this was my concern about having Vince Velasquez as one of your starters. That's an automatic tax of your bullpen at least one out of every five days because he can't go more than four or five innings. He just runs out of pitches. So you can't. You have to make your decisions now based on what's happened yesterday and what's going to happen tomorrow. You can't make them in a vacuum. You can't sit there and just basically have attention deficit towards your your, pit, your bullpen. You you have to understand how many times they've been up. And and for people that criticize Pat Neshek because he couldn't come in a game, one, he didn't get up in time, which isn't his fault. Pitchers get up in the bullpen when the phone rings and the manager says, get somebody up in the bullpen. Yeah, Gabe should have had somebody up in that inning. Right. Second of all, you can't keep having them get up and sit down because – that is a pitch count. You're throwing the ball. It's taxing your arm. You can't have people keep getting up and sitting down and waiting for the perfect time for them to come in so they can pitch to one batter. Stop playing. He, he, think, he thinks he's playing chess and the rest of the league is playing checkers, and that's not the case. Sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer, and we talked about this last year with regard to the bullpen Guys are comfortable, and when they're comfortable, they're better when they have a role, when they know that this is the time in the game that's their time in the game. And right now we have, okay, we'll put in Sir Anthony Dominguez in the fifth inning with one out and a guy on third because that may be the right matchup. Then you use him once, you get out of the inning if you're lucky, and then all of a sudden he's spent for the rest of the game. He's managing every game game to game it looks like as opposed to you can't do that i'm playing 17 games in 17 days and i can't use six relievers in two you and a half you have 162 here. games and you hope you have more after that you you have to do a better job than managing game to game we're getting close to the june 1st deadline where in baseball you don't have to give up any draft compensation if you sign a free agent given the challenges the phillies have had in their bullpen Given the questions about their starters, Cole Irvin now back in AAA. Vince Velasquez apparently available in the bullpen tonight now that he's been activated. 
Do you think that the Phillies get into those conversations with a Craig, Craig Kimbrell or a Dallas Keuchel or even a trade for Zach Greinke? Uh, you know, the last one would be the best one, except I don't know how he would do here. Zach Cranky has always been a guy who did better when he played in a smaller market with less pressure, right? So if if that's where he's better off, I don't know if Philadelphia pressure is the kind of pressure he would do well in. So a Craig and, Kimbrell who's pitched in a Boston market, yeah, is, is he somebody more who... Yeah, there, if he's, but, I, but I don't want to pay him a ridiculous amount of well, money that's, that's going to lock him up either for five years. Go pay him what he needs to uh-huh. get him, or he's not worth it. I don't want to pay that. There uh, is no middle ground on him. Here, here's seem like. here's the answer, Jonathan Papelbon. Get out of here. Everybody was really excited when he came here. Remember that, and it got soured really quickly. So you got to be careful about saying, "Okay, let's just sign him." All right, Jeff. Wheel of Sports. No, that sounds like ducks. Where did you find that? What is that? Oh, forget it. I'll find one. Apologize to our drivers who are listening and had to hear Brett. Turn it off, Brett. What is that like? He's got the wheel. What is that roulette in the swimming pool? He's he's got like a roulette wheel (laughs) or something like that. I tried, Jeff. I tried to get something. If it got more notice, then yeah, it would have been good. Oh, talk to Jeff. He's the one who wanted a wheel. Oh wait, I asked you for it weeks ago. Remember, if you play back the tape, you'll hear. I. Let's move on. Can we talk a little NHL playoffs? Sure. Did you see how Philadelphia? Only a, only a did little. Did you see how Philadelphia is the inspiration for the St. Louis Blues? Why? Because of Craig Berube? Because last year during the Bears Eagles game, a bunch mm-hmm. of St. Louis Blues players were watching a game at a local Mummers establishment, and the song Gloria came on, and everybody was dancing to it. <laughs> And now it's like the St. Louis Blues song, and they play it after every win, and it's like taken over the city there. And so Philadelphia right. is the inspiration for the St. Louis Guess Blues what? Stanley Cup. I don't like Boston. So you don't like the, the Boston Blues? Bruins, but you just turned me off to the St. Louis Blues completely. Why? Why? Because <clears throat> St. Louis is 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 a town known for the blues. This is their first oh, time music. heading to the Stanley Cup. And you are now telling me that their song Gloria is is what they're playing at their games. They play it on the organ. Come on, Jeff, get with it. That is they're so zero and twelve all time in Stanley Cup final games, and have been swept the three times they they were there in sixty eight, sixty nine, and seventy. Uh, I never Jan- made it when Brett Hall was there. Apparently not. Wow. On January 3rd, they had the fewest points in the NHL and were 300 to 1 odds to win the Stanley Cup. Isn't there somebody that like put down $100,000 on the Blues? Probably. I mean, there's always people who who Uh, place those bets. Uh, Stanley Cup finals begin Monday night. Will you be watching? They play the Carolina Hurricanes. (laughs) Don't giggle at my hockey questions, Jeff. They're not playing the Carolina Hurricanes. Or they're they're playing the Bruins. They're playing the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Will you be watching? No. I got so caught up in your laughing at me that I was distracted. You won't be watching? If 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 a bunch of our li- listeners start tweeting to us or emailing us or calling in and saying, we really, really want to talk about this, then I'll be forced to watch it. Okay. But I suspect that that, that, that floodgate will not break. So you won't be watching it? No. I, that's a that, problem, okay, by the way. Okay, so that was our little bit of hockey. Now can we move on? But that's a problem, by the way. You said, what? you know, if people say something, you'll watch it, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. I can't remember the things that we talk about when we're on the air together right. and when we're not on the air together. So, like, last week you were at the PGA Championship. Right. And you're walking around with Oliver Harvest, who was one of our guests, and mm-hmm. a 
top women's golfer who's going to be joining the tour at some point. Yeah, so here's a quick funny story about that. So Pratima, if, if you don't know who Pratima is, and hopefully we're going to have her on soon, um, she was featured on 60 Minutes. Uh, the ESPN did a story on her. She is a golfer from Nepal who grew up, who was born and grew up in a shack with no running water um, and learned how to play golf. And she is now at the age of 19 in California playing on the Symmetra Tour, going to college. Um, and apparently she has a fan base that she, even she wasn't aware of because we're walking around. Now, keep in mind, this is the PGA Championship in Bethpage, okay? The greatest golfers in the world are playing there. And we're walking around the course. Ollie was great because Ollie that, uh, knows that course like the back of his hand. I'm going to get there and, in a second and yeah. ask you about Ollie. And, and, and uh, people started shouting, we love you, Pratima. And she just kind of kept walking. And she's very humble. And, 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 and I said, you realize they're cheering for you, right? And, and she goes, what? I'm like, I don't know any other Pratimas in, in Long Island. And, <laughs> And, and she just got this big smile on her face. And it was just pretty cool to see that uh, this this golfer from Nepal has, has made it over here. And, and uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I will be rooting for her every time she enters a tournament. Now. Of course. I, I want to know, what was it like? I told you before you went, you know, you've been to different golf tournaments, different championships. You were mm-hmm. at the Masters practice round. But I told you before you went that I thought this was going to be different because you were going with Oliver. Mm-hmm. How much different was it? It's like when we watch the game with Josh Bonifay at the minor league game, and he's watching a different thing of the players. How different was it to watch the PGA Championship with somebody who had caddied for some of those players, was friends with some of the other caddies, and had been on that course? Well, well, first of all, as we were waiting for him when we got there, there's a giant area at the beginning of most golf tournaments, and there's a big screen and like a whole welcome history of the golf course. And we're sitting there, and my son goes, hey, is that Ollie's voice? It turns out he narrated the the, the PGA Championship, and he didn't even that. realize that they were playing he, that there, right? No, he had no. <laughs> so, but he's he's so well versed on the game of golf, and he knows so much that when you're watching, and he has, you know, there are certain people just say, I have a passion for sports. You have a passion for sports, but it, it is different than the passion of sports of people that are really in the game, and and it makes you, it reminds you of just the fun of sports and watching him, you know, he would take us to holes. He would tell us about as a caddy, how difficult it is to, to caddy the course. And he told us the caddies call this one hole, the cardiac hill because somebody had a heart attack walking up at one time. Yeah. It's a very uphill course. It it is really hard to walk, um, let alone play golf at. So it was very interesting. Plus he's just a great guy. I mean, so, so it was a lot of fun. And uh, did you learn anything? Uh, I can't really talk about some of the stuff <laughs> that I learned. <laughs> you learned that, you, that this is a long course for you to walk. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm glad that you guys went up there and that you had fun with that. Uh, I'm afraid to send it back to Brett for a roulette wheel because he may sit there clicking a pen or yeah, something like that and say it, that here. counts. So we'll, we'll, we'll let that go for this week. Um, you watching the NBA playoffs? Sixers are out now, I know. But uh, you've been uh, tweeting away at Stephen A. Smith. Well, after game one of the Bucks raptors series, he just kept going on and on about how the, the, it was over. That's it. There's no way. The Raptors are just going to get blown right out of the playoffs. And last time I checked, I woke up this morning and it was 3-2 Raptors. So, 
And and I'm surprised too. I thought I thought the Bucks with their height and their length were going to be no match for for the Raptors. And I, even with Kawhi playing on one leg in one of the games, I mean he's had some injury issues. That whole team has picked it up. It's amazing to me. It's it's hard. Van Fleet last night was seven of nine from three point land. Yeah, I mean, and not how, the and name how many people you, know Van Vliet? Not the name that you would expect mm-hmm. to be lighting it up in the Eastern Conference Finals at the NBA playoffs. All right, so I got a, I got a question for you. I don't right? take questions. Well, you're going to have to take this one because I've heard this all week from people. Are you rooting for the Raptors or not? And what's the number? If you're not, what's the number one reason that people are not rooting for the Raptors? It's funny. I don't even have a rooting interest in the series. Really? Okay. I, I am not. I am shocked at the number of people in Philadelphia that are rooting against the Raptors because of Kyle Lowry. No, no, because not because because he is such a whiner (laughs) in the game. If he was if he was on the Sixers, people would love him here. I don't think so. I do. I don't. I do. We hate whiners when they're not on our team. We love that they're animated when they are on our team. There's a difference between <laughs> animated and whining. And he is—he really is. He just seems to him. He just constantly complains. He's like Chris Paul. The Bucks won the first two games on their court. Toronto right. struck back. They needed overtime for game three, but won by 18 points in game four. Right. Kawhi put up 35 in game five for them to take the lead on the road. That's what surprised me the most. You know, we they always say a series doesn't begin until you take a game on the the home team. Well, the Raptors took a game, so now they go back to Toronto. Do you think they make it back to Milwaukee? I don't and by know. the way, can somebody keep Drake in his seat? I was just going to say this. <laughs> no, no. Uh, worse than that, can somebody take Drake and remove him from the court? Well, I uh, don't mind the six man guy that the Sixers no, I, have. I do. And uh, well, no, I I mind people who think that they need to be part of this. Sports is about the athletes, okay? It's not about the people sitting in the... Being a fan and having a a collective impact on a game is perfectly fine. Being that guy, and I had the same issue... So you don't like like, the kiss cam at the game? You don't like when the back is dancing? No, no, that's that's at the game. That's fine. It's the people who, who interject themselves into the game itself. Like Kevin Hart last year. Was ru- like basically running out on the court. Remember after the the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Yeah, when he tried to get up on. Yeah, stage. he tried to get up on the stage with a player. He has no business being up on. He didn't earn it, and it's the same thing with Drake. Although I have to say, I didn't know the Bucks owner's daughter before this morning. <laughs> she was trolling. Drake. She wore. Sh- now I don't know much about the the hip hop battles or or grudges but apparently there's a grudge between drake and i don't know who the other guy is boy i'm glad you brought this up on the air having no clue what you're talking about but she wore a t-shirt of the guy that it's funny you paid attention to that and i paid attention to the drinking contest between the offensive lineman for the packers and aaron 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 Rodgers, where where the (laughs) offensive lineman chugs his beer and aaron Rodgers starts to sip his and has to put it down for a sec so they go back to the offensive lineman for him to chug a second beer did you see lane johnson ask if carson Wentz wants to do that next year no what did he say he tweeted and he said he tweeted the video and he said uh next year cj Wentz. (laughs) they could do it at the sixers respond i haven't seen a response yet okay we'll get to Wentz now though um no knee brace healthy no knee brace yep. as they start their offseason conditioning uh he looked no restrictions no restrictions that's a, he looked, that's a big one looked good moving out there especially Def- since doug wouldn't give an answer just two weeks ago yes. as to the status of 
Wentz's health. Definitely good to see him out there. Are you concerned that Malcolm Jenkins is not at these OTAs? No. He's a, when, when it's a veteran player, you never worry about that. They know their bodies. They're fine. If he doesn't show up to camp, that's a whole different story. But a guy not showing up at OTAs and saying he wants more money, that's between him and the team. You don't worry about it until, the, you know, until late in the summer. Um, Chris, why Long, are you? I think for the culture of the team, it's better to have the leaders there. And so I, you know, these are not mandatory; they're mm-hmm. optional. Right. And so yeah. I, you can't begrudge a player for not showing when they're not required to be there. And I think he has every right to make his statement about the money he wants to make. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if you look at it from the standpoint of the team, he is one of your most vocal leaders on this team. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have his voice in the conversation, it's a different conversation you're having. All right. Well, before we go, can can I just make a comment about Memorial Day weekend? Yeah, we're not going just yet. Oh, we we're not? still have another like two minutes. Why are you rushing me off the air? All right, fine. Then go back to your little... I wanted to talk about Chris Long smoking pot. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> Chris Long retired this week. He yeah. said he's not going to play anymore. And he said he smoked marijuana throughout his career to help right. manage the pain. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on the reaction of Danny Cannell coming out and saying, let's not make it like weed's the greatest thing, and people's reaction to a player. What, what was Danny Cannell's reaction? Uh, he tweeted that, like, let's not make it out that weed is the greatest thing to solve our medical problems, and Chris Long asked if he wanted to debate the issue of marijuana uh, Well, Danny treatment. Cannell didn't actually play that much, so well, he didn't have... It, holding the clipboard, you your, usually don't need Your thoughts management. on the loss of Chris Long and your thoughts on him coming out and saying that he believed that players should have alternative treatment options, including marijuana, to deal with pain. I agree, but until it's legalized in all 50 states, or at least the states that all the teams play, I don't think that they should be allowed because then I think it creates an unfair advantage. I'm going to miss Chris Long. Uh, he was the kind of player that you'd like to root for. He was the guy who put his arm around Malcolm Jenkins when he was taking his stand. He was the... The player who was always good for a quote. He mm-hmm. was the player that I remember. He still is good for a quote. Apparently. He's still good for a quote. Yeah. He's the player that I remember in uh-huh. the Minnesota game who hit the quarterback that made the interception possible. Right. He was there with Brandon Graham, so mm-hmm. going to miss him on the team. Uh, last minute, Jets have reached out to the Eagles for permission to talk to Joe Douglas. You know this is a concern of mine. Your thoughts? I'm not worrying about it as long as Howie's here. Boy, aren't you, Mr. Excitement. That was such a profound comment. Is that really going to be your last word on the show? No, it's not going to be my last word on the show. Well, it is because you only got 20 seconds. So now I'm going to tell you with Memorial Day weekend, there's a lot of different ways that you can honor servicemen. One of the ways that we're going to do it is with uh, minor league baseball. A lot of the teams have their own salutes to service. And also you can... Give t- you can buy tickets for veterans to go to games. And uh, please do that if you get the opportunity. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.